welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Happy Mother's Day, Garden Church. It's so good to be with you. And I hope you're coming expectant, like I know you always do, expectant to encounter God, because God always keeps his promises. Do you know what they are? You know, I really like that one song that sings, all your promises are yes and amen. Have you heard it? If not, you're welcome. I love that one, but we have to remember what his promises are. Like the one in James where it says, do you need wisdom? Ask for it. He'll give you wisdom. What an incredible promise. If you're in a moment where you need wisdom, ask him for it. Or how about how we approach church? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, then you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you hear the promise? If you seek to find him, you will. And that's true in church, but it's also true in your homes. As you're stuck inside with maybe some people around you, happy Mother's Day, but maybe right now what you need to know is there's a promise that if you even seek to find God's image in the people around you, you can. If you seek to find what they're doing wrong, you'll find it. It's easy to find and they'll find it in you too. But friends, let me remind you to come with expectation in your home. Come with expectation to his holy word. If you seek to find him, you will come to church expectant because if you seek to find him, you will. And once you find him, you'll have everything you need. What I love about this season, there's not a lot, a lot that I love, but one thing I love is reading familiar texts but with a brand new lens. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 as we pray and ask God to add his blessing as we study his words, a heavenly father. As we're probably turning to Jeremiah 29 or just starting to get settled down, I ask, that by your spirit, you would take these truths that we know in our heads and God, would you bring them into our heart, into those intimate spaces where we need to not just know your truth, but experience it. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in us? We pray. And all God's children from their family rooms said, Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, let's seek to find God together because we'll find him. And he says this, this is again, God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. He says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. While this message was sent by God through the prophet Jeremiah to a specific people at a specific time, the timeless truth still stands. Starting in verse 11, God speaking, for I know the plans. God knows the plans. And maybe this is something you've known for a while. Good, yeah, 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 God knows the plans. But it's crazy reading that line in light of a season where we don't. It's easy months ago to read, for God knows the plans as I'm making all of my own. And God knows the plans and so I'm gonna keep on planning. But have you noticed all of our plans have been completely interrupted? 
And yet this timeless truth still stands. God speaks, I know the plans. I know what tomorrow holds. I know what announcement will be made. I know when we'll not be stuck in our homes. I know the plans. And then he spends the next three verses outlining to the people who were stuck in a place and says, will you trust me? Here's how, verse 12, call upon me, come and pray to me. I'm gonna listen to you. Verse 13, seek me, don't seek anything else. Seek me, because you're gonna find me when you seek me with all your heart. Verse 14, I will be found by you. God knows the plans. Do you know what I wish it said right after? <laughs> and I'm planning on telling them to you. Doesn't say that. And we're not used to not knowing. In fact, we're not good at not knowing things. Remember when we used to go to coffee with people? Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> and we would sit across the table. And if you ever got to a topic maybe you didn't know everything about, we would never leave the topic and just say, well, I guess we'll never know. Of course not. We'll jump onto our phones and we'll Google search our questions. In fact, when I worked for a curriculum company, we interviewed middle school students and asked them this question. Why don't you have spiritual conversations with your parents? One of the top answers because I Google search my questions. We're not used to not knowing. We ask Siri, we ask Alexa. We're not comfortable not knowing the future. And we're in a time where that couldn't be more true. We don't know. It's no wonder we're so anxious and fearful in this season. In fact, my husband is an emergency room nurse. He and I recently had a conversation about what to do with anxiety. What do you do with fear, even from a medical standpoint? And I asked him, I said, what do you do? And he said, oh, I do the exact same thing because it works. I said, oh, tell me, tell me, and then I'll tell the people. And he said, oh, here's what I do. I have him look me in the eyes. If someone walks in with a panic attack, anxiety attack, overwhelming, it's paralyzing, I have him look me in the eyes. He says, well, look right here, I need you to look right here. I need you to listen to my voice. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna focus on what we can do, not what we can't. Because there's a lot that we can't, but right now I need you to listen to my voice. And here's what we can do. We can breathe. Would you breathe with me? And wherever you're at, join me. Slowing down and breathing is a gift. Breathe with me. And then breathe out. Are you doing it? <laughs> breathe in and breathe out. It's right about here that he tells them to breathe in as he tells them, hey, my name is Randy Marshman. I'm an ER staff nurse at this hospital and I'm really good at my job. Now breathe out. I said, in the conversation with my husband, I said, you actually say that? He says, oh, they need to know that the voice I'm asking them to listen to is really good at his job. They need to know that truth. And then he tells them and assures them in a few minutes, things are gonna get better. Just pay attention to the right voice. Through this passage in the book of Jeremiah, I believe God himself is doing the exact same thing. He's telling the people, pay attention. Don't listen to all the other voices. There's a lot of other distractions and there's a lot of news chatter. There's a lot of Instagram. There's a lot of social media. Pay attention to my voice because God's really good at his job. In fact, Jeremiah listened to the right voice. That's why it says in Jeremiah 170 times, he says with confidence, declares the Lord because he was listening to the right voice. 
You see, the context of Jeremiah chapter 29 is that the Jewish people had disobeyed God. And as a result, God sent them into the Babylonian exile. Jeremiah's letter to the exiles contains God's instructions for how his people are to wait well in the hard. You see, this is not what they wanted though, which is why one chapter earlier in Jeremiah chapter 28, we meet Hananiah who falsely prophesied that they could be free from their pain really fastly, just put their trust in the Lord. No wonder, because we still to this day meet Hananiah's all over the place prophesying a similar message. Things will get better and easier with God and if life is hard, then maybe you should look at God and question him. And the people believed it because they wanted to be free from their pain. They wanted to be out of the places they felt stuck. They wanted refinement without fire. They wanted to follow Jesus without carrying a cross. And friends, if I'm honest, it's precisely what I want too. I want this thing to be over. But God gives them instructions on what to do in the waiting. And here's what I love about the garden church. You live this. It's your motto in Long Beach as it is in heaven. Listen to Jeremiah's words to the people who were listening to a different voice. He says, pay attention because God is really good at his job. And here's what he has to say in Jeremiah 29 verses five and seven says this. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Verse seven, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Seek peace into the place that you're stuck. Seek peace in your home. God speaking, he says, stay in the hard. I know the plans and part of them is the lessons I plan on teaching you right there. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, he says, I know the plans, verses 12, 13, and 14. God outlines specifically how to trust him. But why? Should we? See, while Jeremiah 29, 29, 11, 12, and 13, and 14 outline how to trust, here's another question, why? God knows the plans, yes, but why should we trust him, especially when we go through hard things? Good question you brought up in your brain. Because in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, while we may not know what the plans are, we find out something about the plans when it says this. A little context to the book of Romans. Romans is written by that guy, Paul. Paul has a past. Suddenly he encounters Jesus and everything changes. And maybe that's your story too. But here's what that reminds me of. The fact that Paul writes these words reminds me that God can do whatever he wants with whomever he wants, whenever he wants to do that thing. Don't stop praying for that person you've counted out because God surely hasn't. And maybe the person you've counted out in this season is yourself. God hasn't, which is why he doesn't just tell us that he knows the plans. He also clarifies in Romans 8:28 one thing we can know about the plans when he writes this. And we know that in all things, guess what's included in all things? all things, including the things we're going through. So we can know this in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And maybe some of you are sitting there thinking, yes, I see all the good God is doing even through this. And maybe you see the silver lining, you see God's actions, God's movements and praise God, keep seeking to find him because you will, that's a promise. 
but maybe some of you hear scripture like that. And if you were to really think about it, keep in mind, let me say it again. For, for I can tell you that in all things, God will work for the good. You wonder how in the world could he use this for good? Well, what we need to consider is God's definition of good is different than our definition of good. You see, our definition of good is comfortable, easier, successful. How was the week? It was a good week. I got through it, right? We define good by successful, comfortable, easy, things going extremely well. That's how we define good. Paul, on the other hand, goes on to the next verse and defines the good in a different way when he writes this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Here it is. To be conformed to the image of his son. God's definition of good is to form you more into the likeness of Jesus, which means that God can use even this to form you more into the likeness of Jesus. Will you let him? He can do all things. See, while we may know that God knows the plans, Here's what we can know. His plans are meant for good, to form us more into the likeness of Christ. So let me ask you specifically, how might God even use this season, this Mother's Day or this crazy season, COVID-19, anything you're going through, how might God use this to form you more into the likeness of Jesus? We have to consider this question because it's what God wants to do in us. And I don't want you to miss this season or just let this season pass and only allow yourself to define it by what was hard while that's valid. If you're experiencing loss and grief, those feelings, those thoughts are valid. But know this as well. God can use all things to form us more into the likeness of Jesus. And the good news is that we're not alone in this. In fact, point one, God knows the plans. Point two, his plans are meant for good. And if good means to form us more into the likeness of Jesus, and I consider my own life, I gotta be honest, the times I've been formed most into the likeness of Jesus have not been my moments of success. It's not been when someone asks me how I am and my answer is great, good, even my definition. It's typically been in seasons of trial. Can you relate? If you can, you're in good company in the scriptures. See, all the way back, let's go to Noah. Remember that guy? See, God's good plans are not exempt from trial. How do I know? Because of Noah. And think about Noah, God gives him some building designs. God says, I know the plans and here's the part you can know. And if you look at all the details of the building of the ark, notice this, there's no steering wheel or rudder mentioned. It's as if God is saying, hey, build this boat and then trust me, really trust me, you will not have control. And I believe God is speaking a similar message. Will you trust me? I know the plans. Will you trust me? I'll reveal my truth through my word. Will you trust me? And then God, even in the Noah narrative, he has a hand in the story. In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter seven, it tells us what God's action is in the Noah narrative when he writes this. 
Chapter seven, verse 16 in the book of Genesis. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Ready for God's part? Then the Lord shut him in. In other words, God closed the door. Am I the only one that thought that God only opened doors? <laughs> Friends, God did not shut the door on Noah to keep him from his good plans he had for him. God shut the door not to keep Noah from his good promises. He shut the door to keep Noah from drowning on the other side. God knows the plans. His plans are meant for good to form you more into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus trusted his father. Do you trust God? And are you willing to take active, active steps to trust him? Jeremiah outlines exactly what those steps are. Call upon God. Jeremiah 29, 12, right after he says, God knows the plans, 29, 12 says, then call upon God. Don't call upon yourself. Don't call upon the news. Don't call upon social media for your affirmation. Call upon God. God says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. That's what trust looks like. In fact, I wonder if God wants to redefine how we're even gonna mark this season. It's, it could be easy to mark it just by our grief and loss. And that would be rightfully justified. But I wonder what if, what if in 10 years we were to look back on COVID-19 and when our kids ask about it or our friends ask about it, they say, tell me about that season. What was that like for you? I, what, how crazy would it be if you said, oh, that was the moment that God and I's prayer life suddenly took off. I look back at a moment that ignited my faith and it started right there. God can use everything, all things, to form us more into the likeness of Jesus. He did it with Noah. He didn't suddenly pull Noah out of the flood. He rescued him in the midst of the waves. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember them going into a fire? God didn't rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a fire. He rescued them right in the midst of the flames. And he even showcases for us what faith and trust look like. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's speech before they go into the flames, the fiery furnace? They say this, to the king at the time, the God we serve is able, because do you know this? Our God can do absolutely anything. Pray courageous prayers so when you see him, you find him. But they claim, our God can do anything, but even if he doesn't, rescue us from the fire. We want you to know King Nebuchadnezzar that we, not, we will not bow down and worship the image of gold you have set up. Do you hear the words of faith? Even if. Those haven't been the first two words on my tongue in this season. In fact, it's a lot easier to question what if. My friend Mike Foster put it succinctly when he said, what if breeds fear. Even if breeds faith. Because even if your what if comes to pass, our God knows the plans and his plans are meant for good. God didn't rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a hardship. He wanted to transform them through the fiery flames and he even joins them in the mess. Remember Daniel didn't rescue him from a lion's den. He rescued him with the beasts at his side. If you in this season feel like you're drowning, feel like there's beasts at your side, or like you're going through a fire. Don't think God is angry with you because you're there. 
God doesn't want to rescue us from removing the trials. He wants to transform us through them. God wants to use all things to form us more into the likeness of Jesus. So let me ask you, and I, man, I hope and pray that in this moment you consider how might God be wanting to use this garden church to transform you more into the likeness of Jesus. Here's what I know to be true about Jesus and how he's been doing that work in me. Jesus was calm in the storm. I know there feels like a lot of chaos. I, I wonder if the thing he might be wanting to do is to transform you more into the likeness of Jesus. How's your calmness? Ask the spirit to move in you. He will. Ask for wisdom. He'll give it. He wants you to know the likeness of Christ so that when people come into contact with you, they don't just come into contact with you, they meet Jesus through you. That's God's plan for them. God knows the plans. His plans are meant for good. And remember that his plans are not exempt from trial. God wants to use even this. Jesus was calm in the storm. Jesus was a prayer warrior. How about you? I don't ask in order to make you feel guilt or put condemnation or push you down. I simply want to invite you into newness, into the new life that Jesus offers. Jesus was a prayer warrior. Jesus was dependent upon the words of his heavenly father. Time spent with God was not just his duty, it was his devotion. How's your relationship with spiritual disciplines? I love the amount that the Garden Church, you all talk about spiritual disciplines and following the ways of Jesus. It's beautiful. I remember in an interview with Dallas Willard, this really profound moment, someone asked him, how do you know if you have a healthy relationship with your spiritual disciplines? Dallas Willard, in so many words, said something to the effect of, oh, just analyze how you feel when you don't do them. Do you feel guilty or do you feel thirsty? God wants to use this to form you into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus was dependent upon his father, devoted to his father, a prayer warrior, calm in the storm, generous, helpful, loving, healer. The list goes on. So let me ask one more time and trust that you would open up your hearts to whatever God wants to teach you. How might God be wanting to use the very thing you're going through, COVID-19 even, to form you more into the likeness of his son? He'll do the work. He knows the plans. His plans are meant for good. Will you pray with me? Father, these are all great truths, but we need your spirit to move these truths from our knowledge in our head to the reality of our hearts. So Lord, would you even now open us up to reveal what you're doing in us? God, how do you want to make us more like Christ? What do you bring to the surface? Is it our anger, our non-justified anger? God, anything that's not of you, would you even rise it to the surface now? So that we can bring it to you and watch you transform it. God, thank you for hearing our prayers, listening to our prayers. Be glorified in us. Teach us how to trust, we pray. And all God's children from their homes on their couches said, 
Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.